0: Hello and welcome to The Verblio Show. This is the podcast for digital agencies and digital marketers brought to you by Verblio, the friendliest content creation platform in the business. I'm your host, Steve Pakras, and I'm Verblio's CEO. In today's episode, I'm thrilled to be talking with Nick Christo, the CEO of Helios, a leading marketing analytics company that works like an outsourced chief data scientist for its clients. I wanted to talk with Nick about his data-driven view of evolving marketing trends and best practices through the crisis. We talked on May 4th, 2020. Enjoy the conversation. It's great to have you. Would you mind introducing yourself to our audience?
1: Yeah. Thanks for having me, Steve. Uh, Nick Christou. I am the CEO and founder of Helios Company, which is an outsourced chief data officer for small and mid-sized companies, as well as uh, service agencies. So typically the type of client that we help is someone that can better their business by using data to make decisions, which is everyone. Uh, But really what we look for is we look for helping businesses that can uh, move the needle pretty significantly. And really we look at that in a couple different ways. We look at that as top line revenue growth. So what are the things that they could analyze uh, to become more effective at going out and selling more of whatever their product and services. And then the second half of that is how do they run more operationally effective, which ultimately leads to profitability, which as we know in today's current environment uh, is life and death for a lot of businesses
0: i hope that explanation makes it very clear to our audience why you're a great person to talk to today as you have a really unique view of businesses that you work with i would love to hear just a an overall summary of of what you're seeing out there with your clients uh what you expect to see moving forward
1: so lovingly called by our clients as the the math nerds the measure twice cut once team and everything in between um but really that's what we're passionate about and that's where we absolutely love to help businesses and some of the some of the areas of opportunity that COVID has provided for us is it's really given us an opportunity to help a lot of times when things are going really well sometimes businesses have a lot of excess fat on the business and they do a lot of things that don't necessarily make sense when COVID happened we saw most of our businesses pivot really quickly and the biggest area that people have pivoted is starting to to shut down the unnecessary items from a spending perspective uh, for, for two reasons. The first one obviously is the big one is they wanted to save their business and they wanted to save the jobs that they had provided to people and keep their teams moving forward. The second one, and I think this is a really big one for all of us right now is fear, right? That the brain, if you ask me really purchases in two different ways, purchases on hope, right? Hope to do more, hope to sell more, hope to impact more lives in a beneficial way. And then the second half, and unfortunately this is typically the more powerful half is fear. Fear of loss, uh, fear of inability to continue to serve, like all of those different things that, that really scare us, keep us up at night. So initially when, when the COVID impact became real for a lot of folks, uh, we immediately saw that turn off everything mentality, right? Let's shut down our marketing, let's shut down our advertising, let's shut down uh, everything that we consider non-essential so that we can keep the business going for as long as possible. Now that we are a number of weeks into what I would, you know, what all of us are considering the new normal because we don't know what's around the corner, we're starting to see businesses loosen up a little bit on that fear component of I must not do anything uh, and I need to start doing something because that next layer of fear is starting to kick in which is if I don't do anything, I'm gonna be in worse shape versus if I do something. So a lot of the conversations that we're having today are really focused around what are the right things that I should be doing right now? What is the right message that I should be positioning based on the current situation so that I can go back to serving the people that I serve. Uh, And really, we see that in two ways. The first one is is we're seeing that in uh, really small batch testing of marketing messages, advertising spend, uh, and different sales activities to just get some feelers out there for what is going to have an impact, but do it at a uh, significantly lower risk than rolling out an overall brand strategy or marketing strategy at at a large scale. And we see that for two reasons. Uh, the first one is there's still a lot of concern around what the appropriate messaging is during COVID. Uh, right. A lot of our clients are really worried about coming off as uh, impersonal uh, or positioning the wrong thing and making it look as like kind of a self-serving benefit. Uh, so we've had a lot of people that are actually very open to doing a lot of micro testing with a lot of the brand messaging, a lot of the different advertisements. And one of the, one of the uh, benefits that I see from that is that a lot of these businesses that had a very... Entrenched message for a very long period of time are now starting to get super creative with what direction they can go with their messaging and figure out what's going to resonate with clients. And then they can double down their sales and marketing efforts on, on that side of the house. The second half of the conversation that we're having is the financial impact. Uh, and what's so interesting about the financial conversations that we're having and a lot of the, the cash flow modeling that we're doing for clients right now is it's not just operational efficiency modeling. There's also that combination of if I achieve my sales forecast or if I underachieve my sales forecast, what is that going to do in combination with all of this internal operating efficiency? Right. I think it's so interesting because if you go back to where we started this conversation, in good times, a lot of businesses typically will focus on the sales and marketing aspect in its own silo, and then they'll focus on operational efficiency. and bottom line finances in its own cycle. And those two sides of the house will talk to each other and they'll have expectations of each other. But one of the one of the amazing things that we're seeing happen out of COVID is we're actually starting to see those two sides of the house start to communicate pre-decision, uh, which is how it should be. And it's one of those ironic silos that just doesn't drop until something like COVID happens. And it really is a do or die moment for a lot of businesses. And they're really forced to have that conversation on both sides of the house before they make decisions, which is something that I'm, I'm thankful for and all of
0: some of the other kind of thought leaders that I've talked to before, are CEOs, or talk about how every part of their business can be their competitive advantage, and you have to look at every way to help you compete. Is it your price structure? Do you redo your pricing plans? Do you redo your marketing? Um, is there more you can do in the operations? And it's, it is, uh, I guess, one of the few benefits is that it, how holistic this whole the whole nature of where this should go. Before you leave this topic of what data is doing and what you're seeing, because you have such an interesting point of view. uh, A lot of our agency leaders see their portfolio of clients. They're not looking at, or they're looking at from all the, you know, all the different benefits that they bring. But from the data point of view, how big a company do you need to be or how much do you need to be spending on marketing in order to be doing this amount of testing? Like, should everybody be doing this who's listening to the show or only if you're advertising a certain size?
1: I'm a firm believer that everybody should be doing it, even if you're a solopreneur and you're a, an army of one. Hmm. And the reason for that specifically is because everybody has the opportunity to grow. As long as you do it mindfully and you ensure that your cost of growth, uh, and you know, there are certain situations where it makes sense to be over leveraged, but as long as your cost of growth really doesn't exceed the total revenue that's generated from that growth, you shouldn't stop trying to iterate and becoming more effective. Right, and effective being the keyword, not efficient, because sometimes we'll cut corners with efficiency and we'll get to a short-term positive impact, but we'll really lose a lot of opportunity for, for long-term revenues. So I'm a firm believer that everybody should be taking advantage of any type of iteration and messaging. The second half of that is it's so cheap right now to go out and test some of these activities. You've got more eyeballs looking at screens. You've got so many people looking at three screens at home at the same time. They've got their cell phone in their hand, there were clock laptops in front of them. And then they've got Netflix or some sort of paid, paid TV going on in the background. Mm-hmm. There has never been a better opportunity to get a set of eyeballs uh, in front of your message than you may not have necessarily had before because somebody was at work from nine to five. They were mentally and emotionally exhausted by the time they got home. Uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm a firm believer. If you haven't started your messaging plan, start now. Iterate quickly, but also don't abandon things too quickly because we also have to keep in mind that the the type of mind that purchases during challenging times is a very different type of mind that purchases during a a peaceful time
0: yeah it totally makes sense like when i'm just just remembering back to when tv died people stopped started trying to figure out how do you get in front of people when they're not advertising this is the first time that you really have this much concentration in one channel maybe since television like turned into cable
1: you know it's funny we were joking about oil being on its head at the uh, before we started recording today And I almost look at advertising specifically, not all of marketing, but advertising specifically is kind of Mm -hmm. like, oh, so many of these large organizations that typically soak up so much of the advertising market have stepped back right now in their budget cutting, but there's a ton of opportunity for some smaller entrants to capture a big market share at a lower cost, number one, and number two, when there is a greater audience because there's less competition for a lot of that space right now.
0: God, I was just we were just reviewing the exact same thing which is like the easiest thing in the world to cut is your is your paid spend it's the easiest budget item you turn it off like a like a hose and so it's so tempting to do i'm glad you're seeing the the opposite do you have any uh, nuggets of your of some of your clients that, of what are winning messages or some other winning strategies that are coming out of this where uh for those of you keeping track of the time stamp we're about a month and a half into the covid crisis right now
1: so i'd say including ourselves, we have seen the entire gamut of emotional spectrum and financial decision-making that's all of that emotional spectrum. A couple of the things that stand out to me as great areas of opportunity and things that I've seen our clients really excel at is, uh, the first is, is that they've gone all in in committing to their business. Not necessarily running into a fire, not necessarily saying we've got to spend a million bucks on our uh, marketing strategy or a new product line because now may not necessarily be the time to it but they have 100% committed to leading their organization through this challenge, no matter how big the fear is, uh, no matter how big the stakes are, they've committed to making that a reality. So now when you take that mindset and you actually apply it to a lot of the tactical things that they're doing, uh, the first one is is that they are over communicating with their clients Uh, and they're doing it in a way that is continuing to provide education to the client uh, and they're giving a ton of stuff away for free and not necessarily giving stuff away for free as far as products and services, but education perspective and making sure that whatever they are a subject matter expert at, that they can utilize that to the best of their ability to help their clients lead their way through uh, through this specific uh, specific challenge. Uh, and I'll give you a great example of that. Uh, the first one is, is a business to business client of ours that uh, focuses on helping clients uh, file for their articles of incorporation in specific states. Uh, They are up to the minute educating their clients on what states are open, what states are closed, and based on the states that are closed, what are the new norms and how you're actually going to file all of your uh, your corporation documents and all of those things in that state. Uh, Something for them that isn't necessarily a significant investment from from an expense perspective, uh, but it would be a significant challenge for those clients to have to go to the state websites, go read a ton of blogs and research and try and figure it out themselves and probably be wrong by the end of it. Uh, you're seeing a ton of accounting firms do it right now with the Paycheck Protection Program and the EIDL loans, is just being a free resource to be able to guide their clients through that. You figure the average client, or the average accountant probably has 100 clients. They've gone through this process 100 times at this point, whereas companies like you and I may only go through it once. The area of opportunity for us to screw it up and potentially slow down the, the cash flow process could be significant, whereas that, that CPA could be a significant resource. So, that to me is the first one. is. Uh, Being an educational component, being a resource to the client, uh, committing to going all in and making sure that we're gonna lead our way through this. And then last but not least is not stop marketing. right. I know a number of your other experts uh, have talked about this component, uh, but even businesses that decided to take a couple of weeks off and kind of got enthralled by everything that was going on and 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 seized up a little bit, they're already finding themselves a little bit behind the ball.
0: What is working in marketing right now? So you've got a lot of testing going on, which is great. Uh, any specific channels that you think people should be looking at that are you know more of an opportunity?
1: You know, it's interesting. We've talked a lot about paid, and I've just kind of been using that as an example here of being able to get out and get some messaging done really quickly. But I actually don't, I, I don't have an opinion on. One specific area of marketing, and this is going to be the good analyst in me, I'm not going to give you a, an, a 100% confidence answer. Uh, I'll give you a 95% confidence answer. Uh, but I don't I don't feel like there's one specific part of marketing that is going to work for everybody because I think every single business is going to have to uh, focus their resources differently. To me, the biggest thing is, is the focus of resources. Uh, instead of trying to do a, a little bit of everything, a little bit of email, a little bit of social, a little bit of blog. To me, it's about testing a little bit of everything, identifying the messaging and the medium that are resonating most effectively, and then doubling down your efforts on that thing that's working really effectively. So a great example that I'll give you is another retail client of ours that actually isn't able to operate right now. It's a, it's a men's haircut salon, isn't able to operate right now. Super challenging business to be in, right? But the amount of thought leadership and creation and digital content that that company has created and video content, teaching people how to cut their hair at home and different things that they can do to make their hair look better when they're not able to get in for a haircut. With me them going out and spending on paid ad has absolutely no message resonance with their, with their clients, but doing all of this really hardcore thought leadership and content creation. And again, Giving free educational tips to their client base, the amount of donations that they've received, the amount of pre-purchased gift cards that they've received, and then the amount of five-star Yelp and Google reviews that they've, you know, unsolicited received because of all of this initiative that they're taking right now when they, when, when technically they shouldn't be doing anything, they should all be home hanging out. Um, it's just been absolutely amazing.
0: One last question. As our data guru and the first data guru on the show, any, uh, any good guidance for those of us who have tons of data, but, uh, but have not done nearly as much as we think we should with it.
1: Yeah. Us included. Right. And I think, uh, more than we can tell you what to do, we can tell you everything not to do We've <laughs> done it at this point. Uh, the first one is, is don't boil the ocean. Uh, mm. the, the problem with data is everything captures data. I mean, my watch right now is tracking how much data is going in my, so the amount of data that's available to us is vast, and it's very easy to get paralyzed because there's so much there we don't even know where to start. Right. So the two recommendations that I have to people is uh, do some do some analysis on the strongest part of your business, and not just not just sales and marketing strong, like which product is selling the best, but what do you feel? is the most effective part of your business? Is it operations? Is it sales? Is it marketing? Is it finance? Is it IT? Like, What is that most effective part of your business? Start there with your analysis. On the opposite end of the spectrum, I would also recommend to to analyze what you would consider the most ineffective part of your business, but I'd also recommend to people don't make any really rash decisions on the most ineffective part of your business or, or area of opportunity. Uh, specifically for two reasons. Uh, The first one is, is that we typically try to come to some sort of conclusion on the most challenging parts of our business first. Mm -hmm. And we immediately want to go into into solution mode. Uh, And the the easiest area of opportunity to do that is on the parts of the business that are the eyesore, right? The things that we feel are not up to snuff. Uh, Well, the problem is, is that with data, it's very easy to come to two very different conclusions, based on the exact same data set and whether we know it or not, subconsciously, we kind of already have our mind made up on what direction we want this outcome to come in. So Mm -hmm. let's say, for example, my sales are low and I want my sales to be higher. And I feel like that's the weakest part of my business. It's very easy for me to look at a data set and say, this sales and marketing initiative is obviously not working. So I want to pivot over here and I can draw that conclusion for myself right? So one of the things that we always recommend to clients is instead of trying to rush to the right answer, spend a lot of, uh, a lot of time exploring the right questions. Uh, and you see this a lot in music, right? And if you think about any of your favorite bands, if you can call off the number of songs that you can recall off the top of your head, it's probably only a handful of their, of their songs that were their greatest hits. But if you think of the total number of songs that that music group has created over the time, over the period of time that they were, they were around for, we're talking hundreds, if not thousands of pieces that were composed. So to me, it's really critical when you're going through that triage process to ask all of the questions, kind of get all of those initial conclusions out of your head so that you can ask those real deep hardcore hard questions. And then from there, once you feel like you've asked the right question and you've got this kind of burning desire inside to solve or answer that question, then go figure out what data you need to answer that question. So instead of letting the data guide the answer, yep. let, question drive what data you need to support that your guidance here on the
0: data side reminds me a lot of like personal development executive coaching where it's like don't only focus on your weaknesses because then you should really embellish your strengths as well the main thing about the weaknesses is you should just understand them and know where they could hold you back as opposed to spending all of your time to to do something that you're not that great at interesting parallel uh and then i have my uh my my chief finance guys one of his favorite lines about our data set is lots of data no information (laughs) wrap it up with uh can you give us some interesting way you've been entertaining yourself or your family during this time of social isolation
1: oh man this is a great one well i mentioned i mentioned earlier the the backyard remodel has been a, a really great way for us to spend our time and uh the biggest thing to me is we've just been doing a little bit every day and it is amazing to see how much gets done in a really short period of time when you just do a little bit every day. Uh, the second one is uh, I got a three-year-old and a five-year-old and we've got a little music room upstairs and they absolutely love smashing on the drums and ripping, ripping the guitar strings. So we've got a cool little band going. So we've got our, our evening social that we go upstairs and we play some music and sing songs to mom and Uh, hopefully as they get older, we'll actually turn that into a real thing, but by then I probably won't be the cool guy to play with anymore. They'll probably have way cooler friends to be able to play instruments with, but that's pretty much it. Tell everyone again about the lesson you just did online. So one of the great benefits, again, there's been so many challenges with COVID, but so many creative things that people are doing. Uh, one of my absolute favorite drummers, uh, from one of my favorite bands called August Burns Red, uh, has been doing online lessons, zoom lessons. Uh, so I actually had the opportunity for, I think what was a really affordable price to be able to have, a 30-minute drum lesson with one of my favorite drummers of all time, uh, which we spent 15 minutes of it just chatting, and then 15 minutes actually doing the drum lesson, which was worth every penny. Uh, so yeah, I think that was that was probably the highlight of this whole thing so far.
0: That's a pretty damn good highlight. My, uh, my brother just took a bass lesson with uh, Sturgill Simpson's bass player, and uh, I got to figure out who I want to talk to. This is like, everyone's finally available. Yeah. No one's doing anything.
1: Yeah, it's amazing when they're not on the road how much time they have to teach, right? Exactly. All
0: right, Nick, it has been a pleasure. You are awesome, as always. That's it for this episode of The Verblio Show. Thanks for tuning in. This is Steve Pachras in Denver, Colorado, signing off.